The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sue Martin joins us with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. So you and I were just talking because the Pro Farmer Crop Tour is officially underway. The guys on the western leg, they better have a good investment in some muck boots. Uh, the eastern leg's got some beautiful weather. But let's start out. What are you hearing as you not only follow along social media, but also talking to folks within the tour, both on the eastern and the western leg? Well, basically, the eastern side so far through Ohio, especially western Ohio, and and then the eastern side, or yeah, the eastern side of Indiana, the crops look wonderful and are and have a lot more promise. The corn ears are nice size for the most part, very little tip back, and uh, the beans a lot of uh, three bean pods. Uh, in that area. So, and the field's looking lush and green, and, and that's an area that last year, last couple years, didn't do quite as good. So, this year, the crops are looking very nice on that side of the tour for the first day to get started. The western side, you know, South Dakota just doesn't look so great. There's a lot, maybe you'll find some fields that look okay, but there's a lot of less than desired fields in South Dakota. And, of course, beans, you know, I would say with rain, beans will probably do better crop to crop. And then you come into Nebraska, and we're seeing the same thing. And, of course, everybody's dealing with these rains and the mud and what have you. So the people that are on that side of the tour, maybe not as much fun. Um, you know, the sun's not out, and it's a little cooler, and it's damp and muddy, and, and it makes their job a little tougher. But... um at the end of the day, I think what we're going to find out is, um, and when, even when they start to get into Iowa and what have you, I think we're going to find out that it's the corn crop that really maybe isn't quite as good as what the USDA is estimating, and the bean crop still has potential because of the rains and also started blooming early and uh, potting earlier than normal, and so therefore it'll just be able to keep adding in with these rains. You know, I don't know many producers that are going to grumble about the rains that they're receiving, but for guys that are getting ready to chop, this rains could cause for a little bit of problems for them. Yes, it, it certainly can. And, you know, southern Indiana, I hadn't been aware that they were having so much trouble, but they've been um, having some issues. Not Indiana, I mean southern India. You know, they've been under some uh, uh, issues where they weren't catching much rain at all. And, um, and, you know, and that's a country that's been kind of uh, overlooked, I would say. And, um, you know, it was interesting this morning because I was reading where there's been like now all of a sudden they're catching these heavy, just the opposite, monsoonal rains and been inundated. And they've had 350 deaths and over 800,000 people displaced due to flooding. And so it's just real interesting how mother nature this year is just kind of quirky you know seems like if you catch rain you're catching a lot or you're not getting much of any and it's just uh the have and the have nots and and it's not just in one place it's in you know she's picking away at the crops around the world and so with the midwest here we need these rains we don't need extreme amounts but having some nice rains 
to finish out this bean crop. You know, beans mature in daylight hours, but the corn, when it's done, it's done. You can't add yield in. It'll just help it finish out maybe with some test weight. But, boy, I look at a lot of tip back. Um, that's the one thing that stands out to me today is when I see the pictures and everything, there's a lot of tip back uh, in those fields. So when you guys look at the reports um, and you see the photos and you hear from folks that are on the tour, how does that factor in? And how does that factor in Chicago when markets are being traded? Well, I think that the trade actually is kind of ignoring it. Uh, today, we did have cycle window timing here today for a high. Uh, we thought we had hoped at first when we were first looking at the dates that it might come in as a low. And instead, we could tell it was turning and it was going to end up coming in as a high. Um, you know, the wheat ended up closing down pretty hard, 17, 17 three quarters cents in KC and Chicago was down just as hard. Um, but, you know, the corn couldn't hang on. Uh, it didn't close as bad as it could have. I mean, it was down four cents and it came back and closed two and a quarter lower. Still, it closed lower on the day while the beans gave up pretty much everything they had gained overnight and closed a quarter of a cent higher to maybe a half cent higher. And the beans, I think what held them together at all was the fact that they were looking towards this uh, trade delegation coming from China, being here with meetings tomorrow and Wednesday with our uh, Treasury Department, not the trade representatives, but the Treasury Department. And I think what they're hoping for is that they'll get some meetings lined up and maybe try to wrap this up by the end of November. I don't know. That's To me, maybe I'm being a Debbie Downer here, but um, to me, China never does anything very fast. They tend to pick away, pick away, and pick away. And then finally, when they realize there's nothing more to be had, they give in. And I think to have this done by the end of November with China would be a blessing. But I just don't know as if I'd pin my hopes on that. NAFTA, though? different story we're hearing that by the middle of this week we could have a nafta agreement with mexico which would then bring uh canada right in line and i think that's a win for president trump if that happens uh, because he has gotten it more uh fair and when he gets this all solved and then of course we've got the eu also you know already agreeing so we'll have that section they'll just pin us down now with china and so We'll see what happens, but China's not going to be easy. Oh, definitely not. And that just kind of sets up some excitement for the coming weeks as we hit an early harvest and everything else coming in. Kind of one segment gets piled on top of each other. It does. And, of course, you know, you've got elections, midterm elections in November. To talk about, you're listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sue Martin joins us with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. Let's look at the corn and the wheat. We saw some lower numbers from them today. It was higher on the soybeans. What seems to be the pull-down factor that we're seeing for both those markets? Well, I think for the wheat, the market had a dicey rally right into um, the weekend and coming into today. And we did have timing that would be a, t- a time for a high in wheat. Now, I don't think it's the top, but it is a high, and the market's going to get a nice little correction. And, of course, when beans rally, it seems like they run over and sell wheat against it. And then corns caught up against that and just caught between beans and wheat. 
but the problem is beans gave up all their gains pretty much i mean they only closed a quarter to a half higher so that then gave corn no reason to hang on and so that market fell south as well and i think that uh the pro farmer tour really wasn't adding an awful lot i don't think anybody was they're watching it but i don't think anybody was really trading it i think they're trading uh more the um uh, situation with having the Chinese trade delegation here on, t- on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, pinning hopes on a NAFTA agreement, which would be positive for corn and hogs. And, um, and then in the meantime, just a, a wheat, just flat got overdone. It had ran quite hard, had a good rally, and so it was just technically overbought. And I think we're in the process of trying to correct that a little bit. Continue to hope for a stronger dollar? both for the effects of the grain and the livestock? Well, the dollar is lower today, and um, I think that the dollar is kind of interesting. It's, it's, we could fall back here and kind of get a little bit of a, how do I want to say this, a head and shoulders bottom. It feels like we're building a massive head and shoulders bottom under the dollar. If that is the case, and I mean it's been building for several years, um, if that's the case, the dollar then in time, could be looking at a lot higher levels and i mean a lot higher levels so you know i remember times when we used to have the dollar trading at 168 164 and here we are today at 95 785 so um you know we could see this dollar rally but it's still in the process of building that right shoulder and in the meantime on the shorter term phase of it we have a wedge building kind of a fan and so we'll see what the market does if it can turn and come back up and push the higher side where the trend line on the top is moving upward and the trend line on the bottom of it of the uh congestion is moving down so it's fanning and the market might try to move up and push at the top side so i'm not sure that i believe the dollar's ready to be done just yet over to the livestock side, you know, we had some optimism and hopes that these hogs would, would continue to see and, and build upon the last couple of days. We did see some triple-digit losses in part of today's trade action. Well, we did, especially in the October and the Decembers. Uh, but we also had a market that gave us almost a 50% retracement. And so I think the market, um, I, I would look at this as that it's basically catching its breath, it's had a hard run. It ran over $12. And, uh, of course, it was also very oversold, too. And you've also got problems going on in China. Uh, they've now had their third outbreak of the uh, African swine fever. And it's really, uh, when you look at a map where these hog facilities are, it's quite a distance between them. It's a concern, and I think that that's the one thing. That African swine fever out of China could be just the thing that ends up being our savior for our hog market. They need to import some pork, and in the meantime, our cattle industry too, because they'll be taking in beef as well. And you get those people with an appetite for beef, a taste for beef, and they're going to like it. Well, especially since we've seen this this swine fever in vast areas. I mean, they're not... Side by side, these outbreaks, you know, have some thousands of miles in between it. They do. And that's what's really interesting and sort of scary because what happens is you've got Vietnam not very far away, uh, Indonesia, some of those southeastern countries, Taiwan, um, South Korea, 
and all of a sudden you've got some nervous um, countries where they don't want to do business with China when it comes to pork and pork products. Japan has banned imports of pork and pork products. And this is going to hurt China's hog industry, I think. But in the meantime, I also think that, yes, it'll hurt our feed ability to sell them, you know, soy meal and what have you for, for, to feed those animals if they have to put them down. But in the meantime, I do think that it's, uh, it's a, a, could be a coup for our, uh, our hog and, uh, cattle industries. Sounds good. What is the best way for folks to reach us to to talk some more markets? Our number is 1-800-527-0051. Feels good to be saying that. And um, so they can feel free to call us anytime. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Sue Martin joining us. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.